Hello, and welcome to another episode of PPC Town Hall. My name is Fred Valles. I'm your host today. I'm also the co-founder and CEO at Optimizer. So today we wanted to discuss something that's been a little bit of a buzz in the PPC industry. Um, Google's been doing a couple of webinars to tell us what to expect in 2022. And on one of those webinars, um, some statements were made that talked about TCPA maybe not being as cool or as useful as a lot of us have thought, right? A lot of us these days in PPC, we think about smart bidding, we think about automation. And when we think about automated bidding, for many of us, that really means switching over to a maximized conversion strategy, sometimes with a TCPA, a target CPA goal. Now, Google came out and basically said that using a target CPA may not be as effective as many of us thought it was and actually wants us to maybe shift away from using target CPA. Um, so when we hear that, that's a little bit shocking, of course, because, uh, you know, we thought this was the state of the art. So uh, let's go a little bit deeper on that topic today and let's find out what Google really meant, what Google believes we should do, and who better to help us really dig into this topic than Google itself. So today we're very fortunate to have a couple of Googlers on PPC Town Hall. Uh, we'll be having a discussion with them and they'll explain what they meant when they said TCPA may not be as effective as we thought it was. So let's get rolling with another episode of PPC Town Hall. All right, it says right there, target CPA is dead. That's quite the statement, right? So, uh, hey, welcome to the Googlers on the call today, Alex Ioch and Rebecca Chu. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank Bye. you for having us here. Yeah. And Alex, uh, you're returning. You've been with us before on the PPC Town Hall, so thanks for uh, agreeing to come back. And uh, we, we had some questions that were submitted by some optimizer users, so uh, you're going to help us answer those today. But Alex, remind everyone who hasn't met you before what you do at Google. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, thank you for having me back. I'm uh, Alex Oach, original product legal automation in America. So specialized specifically on any smart bidding variations and helping our top agencies and customers succeed. So pleasure to be here. Great. And Rebecca, uh, you and I have been working together for a couple of months now, but I think this is the first time that you appear on the PPC Town Hall. So uh, welcome to the first timer. Tell us uh, a little bit about... I know what you do, but everyone else what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a platform partner lead for uh, Google, and uh, I've been working with Fred pretty extensively in terms of products um, solutions between Google and Optimizer. So really excited to be here to talk about value-based bidding and what the next frontier is. Great. And uh, the listeners always love to know where people are coming in from. So uh, Rebecca, where are you located today? Uh, I'm located in Redwood City, in Georgia office, and in Woodside, California, uh, living-wise. Right. So uh, right here on the peninsula where I am, too. So I'm calling in from Los Altos. Alex, what about you? Same here. Same office, Redwood City. All right. Well, all three of us are hoping for a little bit of rain at some point this year. Um, <laughs> I don't think we saw any rain in January, February. I get to travel to uh, SMX Paris soon, and I'm going to see my family. And they requested I bring them some sunshine, and uh, I think I'm asking for some rain in exchange for that. <laughs> All right. Um, so, well, let's jump into it, right? So, um, you know, the big question here: TCPA is dead. Like, what did that mean? 
So the clarify really not that though, right? So. <laughs> okay, that's, that's just me hyping it, right? Okay, but so yeah, if, if people aren't supposed to use TC. Just a tiny bit. So it's as effective as it used to be. So by what we mean by actually moving um, to value-based being strategies, is it going to be a little bit more um, effective since it's going to be aligning with your business goals? So I think that's going to be topic of our conversation today is looking at more of like your business objectives and how value-based being strategies, namely target return on ad spend and maximize return on value, how they are better in terms of actually hitting your goals from the business side. So that's why we're uh, encouraging, not, not that saying the TCBs, that is more encouraging people to transition over from target SPA to target return on ad spend so strategies, so. Right, and so TCPA is a strategy, maximize conversions. We're still gonna have access to that. Um, but I guess the messages may not be as effective as you as it could be for you. So there are other options. Um, and so let's illustrate that maybe with an example. Um, we got this slide here. It's a, it's a Google slide. I've actually modified it a little bit. Um, but Alex, do you want to walk? Or actually, Rebecca, why don't you walk us through this one? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So this just uh, shows not every single lead and customers is valued exactly in the same way, right? So you may have a lead that's valued at 100 and someone who comes to you for, for estimates and took some kind of conversion action, maybe valued at 300. And the customer who actually transacted with, with you is at 500. So in terms their um, bidding, in terms of value is so different. So you may want to set the, the way to to bid for these customers very differently too, or for these these leads. So uh, one could be you know set at five dollars versus versus fifteen dollars that really aligns with your business goals because not every single lead and customers are valued exactly in the same way. And I guess the crux of the problem is that okay, so you're a lead gen business and your focus is heavily on target cost per acquisition, getting conversions. And so what you're communicating to Google, what you're tracking as a quote unquote conversion is that first stage to lead. But the point is that different leads behave in different ways. And some of them actually, you know, if, if you sell roofing, right, some people will ask for the free estimate. And then some portion of those people who got the estimate will also become a customer. Um, and it's sort of those things that happen after the lead stage. So, so in, in classic target CPA bidding, all three of these leads that end up doing different things are valued the same because you don't look beyond that initial contact. Um, and so that's why you're saying if you do look beyond that, now you can actually bid differently for them and bid more for the high quality lead as opposed to the, you know, the person who's just kicking the tires a bit. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, let me turn off my sound here. People keep interrupting. Uh, all right. So um, with that, how do people sort of shift into uh, target roles? And by the way, have you guys seen any results? Like what happens for the typical advertiser who switches from TCPA to target row ads? Yeah, you, I think we actually have a slide for this one. So thank you for alluding to this one. So for um, in, in implementing them, you're like from switching from conversion values being strategies or target speed and maximize conversions, right? And by virtue of prioritizing different leads or different stages of your funnel differently, we see average uplift of 14% of conversion value with the same investment level, right? So you already had a pretty tremendous a good uplift from coming from manual bidding to smarting strategies, target speed. In addition to that, coming from target speed to target RAS uh, and the maximize conversion value for that matter, you can see extra 14% on average, of course, um, uplifting conversion value. So 
pretty good results. Uh, and that's uh, how it makes it effective um, by actually either prioritizing how much each specific person in auction for retail businesses bought to you or actually different stages of the funnel, um, prioritizing leads, maybe over calls, depending on the on your strategy and actually telling the Google what's more important to you from conversion value perspective. Right. And one thing that's fascinating to me in this is that TCPA has been so strongly aligned with Legion advertisers and TROS has been so strongly aligned with e-commerce. Um, right. But I, I guess that's the wrong way to think about it. Right. So, and Rebecca, you were alluding to this, how it's really about getting as close to your business outcome as possible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of lead gen, we see different people using different kinds of um, methodology in terms of value their leads. So you could go from a CPA to potentially cost of sales, ROAS, and then integrating your margin data to have profit and then ultimately LTV. So, so aligning as closely to your business outcome it is best. Um, a lot of times, you know, given shopping campaigns, especially smart shopping campaigns, you, ha you have that value and transaction in a, a sales number already in terms of um, optimizing for target ROAS. However, we we see in terms of shopping campaign, uh, e-commerce customers, a lot of times they don't use target ROAS for search campaigns either. So we highly encourage people to actually look across all the different products in terms of um, Google, in terms of using target ROAS or max conversion value. Um, and on top of that, in terms of lead gen, there's a proprietary, you know, CRM solutions, off-the-shelf CRM solutions, um, and other ways in terms of bringing some of that data into the funnel to look at uh, exactly what the value of, of the leads are. So we, we definitely see a higher um, adoption rate from e-commerce customers, but we see opportunity across the board um, with different kinds of marketing objectives. Yeah, absolutely. And then for lead gen specifically, right, it's not that it happened only on one touch. You have multiple touches all the way down to close deal. Or actually, if you track lifetime value of the customers, you can pass that information back, as Rebecca mentioned, even even as simply as uploading uh, from the spreadsheets, right? So you don't have to have any sophisticated CRM system to do that. And by virtue of passing that information back and, uh, you know, uh, like actually matching against the data, what happened within the front end, we're going to be able to allow smart being strategies to target rise or maximize value to go after more valuable to you uh, customers. So importing that data will allow you to actually tell the system what's more important. And next time the similar person with similar attributes happen to be in an auction, then smart being strategies will, will know and predict uh, lifetime value, like or your conversion value within you know auction itself, person by person basis, right? Not only conversion rate as they do with target speed, but also conversion value prediction is going to happen. And uh, by predicting that, you're going to have a higher chances of being more visible for the people who are more likely to convert for the bottom of the funnel. So that's a goal, right? Uh, tell the system where people are more valuable to you, and as the similar people come in auction based on the data you provided then we'll beat higher and then make sure you win over competition, right? And then, uh, you know, assuming they like you and we repeat the process, you get more and more customers. Exactly. And I sort of to put that into a different perspective, maybe, you know, say you're a bank and you sell mortgages, right? And you get all these leads for mortgages and you, uh, you go from manual bidding, CPC bidding, like we saw, which is the simplest, and you switch over to target cost per acquisition. Great. All of a sudden, the automation gets you more leads, more 
people filling out the form um, at a lower cost per acquisition. And you're happy until the next month you look at your mortgages and you see that actually you sold fewer mortgages. Uh, why is that, right? It's the machine is getting you more leads. Why aren't they closing? Well, it's because you haven't communicated what you actually want. Like, he, I mean, listen, I run Optimizer. I love leads for my business, but ultimately what I care about is people who sign up for the software. And that's very different from a lead. Like the lead is one stage to get there. Uh, the free trial is one stage to get there, but that's not the end game, right? And so with the bank, what that bank should be doing is communicating when somebody actually is qualified for a mortgage and when somebody actually closes for the mortgage and can communicate that back to Google. And now the automated bidding systems from Google can actually go and find the type of traffic that matters to you. Um, and so the beauty is you don't even have to worry about like what's the actual CPC bid that should be set in that case. Like that's what the automation does. But you just need to tell the automation what you really care about because if you don't tell it, it's just going to get you the wrong thing. So I, hopefully um, everyone listening sort of like gets this and is excited about doing this. I mean, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so how do we go to get there, right? Like what are some of the first steps in terms of uh, getting started? Um, so Alex, I think we have a, a framework for that. So let's uh, move that slide here. Let's take a look at more visually. But the first step is really to ensure you actually passing down information back to Google, right? Sharing the better data. And again, don't have to be super sophisticated, but so those are some of the options you have here listed under share better data. So, you know, uh, Google's site tag, so Google G tag from Google Ads account natively tracks really better. Um, if you have an option for implementing any conversion tracking, privacy is super important for Google. So make sure you don't lose any conversions uh, because all the uh, enable, uh, disabled cookies or anything. So enhanced conversion will help you to add on top of that. Um, if you have an ability, especially for lead gen customers, like offline conversion imports, right? The, the, your what happens offline after you, uh, after people submitted their leads, how do you track in your CRM system or in the back end? passing that information back, it's uh, really important. So some of those get kind of highlights for sharing the better data. And the second stage will be really once you do have it, uh, ensure that you assign the correct values. What is expected value from each either stage of the funnel for lead gen or from different customers um, for the retail kind, right? side. So, that's, so that the system knows how you can actually prioritize between different stages or different, different uh, interactions exactly. Um, once you have that information, you share the data, once you value them differently to prioritization perspective, right, then you can actually set uh, bidding strategies to optimize what you're looking for, either return on ad spend or actually just maximizing that conversion value. Hey, and uh, maybe we jumped the gun here a little bit, um, right? So these are all great things to do, but like really first step or one of the foundational steps here is switching from maximize conversions to maximize conversion value with a T ROAS. Um, or if you're doing this for the first time, choosing that bid strategy. But we did have an audience question and people, and I've spoken to a lot of people who have this question too, but if you don't have a lot of conversion data yet, what do you start off with before you go into maximize conversions with a T ROAS? Yeah, it's a great question. Most of the strategies actually don't have um, number requirements for number conversions. And the reason is behind that is we uh, we know the intent behind the as the people are actually um, searching for products or such as yours, right? So we know the intent on the backend side is just a matter of 
how they look and how they work and perceive your brand specifically that we need to learn. So targets pay maximize conversions and maximize current value. So the max current value doesn't have any required number of conversions. You can jumpstart it from the zero. For target return on ad spend, this only requirement is still there uh, if you're coming transitioning from um, manual bidding to target return on ad spend goal, then you have to have 15 conversions on the campaign level. That is being worked on to elevate on account level right now. So it's in the works. Uh, so it's good news there. And then we have zero, zero digibility beta um, you can uh, enroll into. So you don't even have to do that. What's the, sorry, say that beta again. What was that? Uh, so it's zero conversion eligibility beta for target return and ad spend. Uh, if you're working with some of your Google representatives, ask for that one. It's been pretty popular. But uh, again, it's only if you're coming from manual to target return directly. If you're coming from max conversions or con max, uh, targets BA to target ROAS, because we already learned information about user intent via those strategies, then they're like passing that information basically to target ROAS. So you don't have to um, have any conversions uh, coming from target speed to target rest specifically. So there's a zero number of uh, conversions requirements there too. So pre um, most of the cases, uh, you know, straightforward implementation. So um, you don't have to wait. If you want to jumpstart with, um, say, if you just a cold start campaign, if you want to jumpstart with maybe target speed and then transition to target rest, you can always do that. Um, or you can go with max conversion value at the beginning, if you like. Yeah, so maximize conversion value without zero ads or maximize conversions. Now, um, some people I talk to, they just want to go enhance CPC or maximize clicks. I know that's not a recommendation, but like, let's specifically call that out. Is, is that just not on the slide, or is that actually something that you don't recommend? Yeah, so the the issue is that you you always can try that. Uh, the the issue is specifically, I think, more of if enhanced enhanced cost per acquisition is technically manual bidding strategy, right? So you're optimizing only fifty percent of your traffic and then still respecting all bid adjustments. So you're not necessarily learning all the intent behind the users. So it's not uh, recommended because it's going to be still learning much harder learning period transition from ECPC to say target for us once you have those uh, data enrolled. So it's uh, always easier if you already let the system know and learn is user intent, say with targets PA or max conversions or max conversion value for that matter. Uh, so that information will be shared with other bidding strategies, right? So if, um, if, but if you want to jumpstart with max clicks, you can always do that. And again, but it will be, it's also not a, a smart bidding strategy, it's not optimizing for any conversion data. So uh, that's why any, uh, automated bidding strategies and auction levels, uh, which we call smart beings, like target speed, max conversions, uh, conversion value. Those are going to be a probably better option because you're going to be optimizing for actual conversion information. Yeah. And I just want to add that Google has incredible intent data, right? So we know how much, um, how, how valuable each lead is. So if you're passing information, we see the most innovative mar marketers actually using max conversion value and target ROAS, you could go back five years to use maximize clicks, but it's not going to be aligned with your business goals that you want to ultimately get to. So we definitely we can get, you, we can get you traffic for sure. No, no worries at all with max clicks, but is it going to be more valuable traffic for you? That's a question you should ask yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, what I always like to say is how do you maximize clicks with a limited budget? get the cheapest clicks. That's how you get the most clicks. And why are clicks cheap? 
well, you're not the only one in the auction, right? So somebody's probably figured out that click is not worth a lot because it's lower quality. That's why nobody's competing or fewer people are competing. That's what makes it cheap. So sure, you can get lots of clicks. But again, the, the story here is not, we don't care about clicks. We don't care about leads. We don't care about sales. We care about profit. We care about new customers, right? So, um, and, and, and then that shifts into the whole conversation. And let's go there next again, about communicating your value back to Google. Um, so I worked at Google, right? And one of the 10 principles of innovation at Google, I think it was number five back in the day, was share all information. It had nothing to do with smart bidding or had nothing to do with running ads campaigns. But what it was about was, as a company, Google's a big company, lots of people work there. The best way to get all of these really smart people to work towards the same goal and, and move in the same direction without having to micromanage everything was to say, well, we got to share all information. If everyone knows what our goals are and everyone knows the information that we're using to try to get to those goals, then these smart people will individually maybe take different paths, but eventually they'll come to the same place. And it's the same with machine learning, right? And machine learning is a really smart capability. But if you don't feed it the right information, then how good of a job can it do? So, so that whole principle of sharing information applies just as much to the machines as it does to the humans. Um, and so we have a slide here about different ways to share your data. So, uh, so let's maybe take a look at this one. Yeah, so it's really more of like on a higher level, like the different ways you can approach it, right? So you can, if you have a for like platform, you can always uh, use the or Google marketing platform, you can use it for an API integration, but more so the more common buckets is really online conversion tracking. So using the GTAG or Google uh, ads tag, global site tag is also different names of the same thing for a Google tag manager important. Uh, so tracking that information, or if you don't think, or like in addition to that, or instead how, however you like or to organize it, you can also import your offline conversions, right? So what happens after initial first stage of submitting a lead online so submitting that information there or um, getting the purchases maybe people are adjusting their values for retail too so that's one of the other use cases you exactly have. that's the funny thing right i mean we call it offline conversion tracking but it could actually be things that happen online so someone going to your website and filing a return exactly that's an online behavior but that doesn't automatically get captured in the conversion data unless you actually push it back so it's called offline conversion tracking or value adjust, uh, but that's what that's about. Exactly. So having this information is the first stage, right? So once we pass that information back, then the second is ensuring uh, at the time of import or even within the interface of Google Ads, you assign different values to those different stages, right? So you can inform the smart being strategies uh, what to go for and what's more important to you. Cool. And then there's a... A funny little thing, so I think we're all familiar with the conversion actions page where there was this checkbox that would say include this as one of your quote unquote conversions, which would mean it, uh, it manipulated bidding. Um, but Google recently changed it. I don't think they really talked about it. So uh, we have a slide from it here. Exactly. So in that box now there's like a primary and a secondary conversion action. Yes, it's, um, I thank you for leading to this one. It's um, definitely been a change from a UI perspective, but not, it's more like, again, just uh, putting in the different buckets, right? So the team is trying to make it a little bit more organized. So the way it's structured now is that you have a goals um, and uh, under each goal, so goal could be like a purchase or a goal could be a leads and say you have a leads as a goal overall category. 
then you can have different conversion actions underneath each. And um, those conversion actions under each call could be either primary or secondary. So the primary one will, if you enable that option, that will mean that not only you're going to track it as a conversion actions, like including conversions, right? But also inform smart being strategy to use that as a, in the bidding optimization. So that's exactly, um, they called it out here as an interface as well. So just, uh, if you don't want to optimize for that conversion actions, or just mark it as a secondary, uh, if you're including, depending if you're including account level or using it within the more like a select optimization and campaign level as well. Yeah. And then Rebecca, there's different types of uh, conversion conversion values. Yeah, absolutely. So there's uh, if you're just using you know target CPA for instance, there's there's conversion information that you could put put in within this. But then then stat, static value, if you use conversion value rules for for instance, you could assign average um, value for people who took specific actions. So it could be across, you know, um, hundreds or thousands of that, uh, conversion actions of this type of customer or this type of lead. Dynamic value is, is where you actually pull in information for each um, customer or lead, each lead. Uh, so this is more, a lot more sophisticated in terms of figuring out and you know, pulling in final sales value, if you're e-commerce. Um, uh, e-commerce uh, advertiser, for instance, um, and then the advanced dynamic values a lot of times bring in the lifetime value. So if you have more sophisticated model in terms of calculating what the predicted lifetime value, when the person actually comes into you, um, pass that information back to, to Google and uh, our machine learning algorithm is going to get smarter based on the value that you actually pass back to us. Yeah, so the, just to think about it for a second, right? You can import your profit into the Google and actually be to profit. So you can tell like uh, machine learning to go and learn more and more profitable clients to you if you pass that information back. Yeah. And so in, in that most sophisticated bucket, why not just wait for a year and then as these really good things happen, communicate your conversion back to Google then? Yeah, I, th I think for us, machine learning is, is, you know, you want the freshest data possible, right? So the quicker you actually pass it back to, to Google, the better it would be. Um, the, some of the offline conversion value, for instance, you could only port any information within 90 days after the click has been uh, uh, executed. So, so a lot of times you, sh you should try to pull in data as, as recent as possible. So our machine learning algorithm will, will help you to optimize. And one more thing from, a, you know, actually from our PMs, right, who work on this fund. So they're really stressing out consistency of uh, passing information, especially flying imports. For the matter that uh, any smarting strategy is actually going to predict your uh, conversion lag. So if you have this recurring consistent import, so ideally daily, that the system will know, okay, on average, this type of interaction, say sales qualified lead, is taking this number of days actually to convert. So it, it, next time that, you know, that similar person comes into the auction, they'll okay, pre predict not only conversion value, conversion rate, but also like conversion lag. So that will factor that in because, okay, we expected maybe it's within like next two weeks, that lead will actually fruit uh, itself into something a little bit more bottom of the funnel. So it will know that. So that's why it's consistent. Imports are important. Uh, and, but if you have a broken one, it's kind of 
uh, you know messes up a little bit machine learning because you, you have like import one in, in, in one day another one in a week so it's going to be affecting the your conversion like learning right so the more frequently you feed the machine fresh data about what's actually happening that that's great um and so in a, in a way i guess it's better to have almost like uh, fresher data but maybe not the exact right answer like mm -hmm. won't wait for the exact right answer but give like directionality to the machine because that can also help it uh, inform which direction it's going to go in and i think that's kind of a big problem that we often see is advertisers get stuck on the, the perfection um actually that was another principle of google innovation was uh um don't, don't let perfect get in the way get get it done but perfect i guess something like that yeah exactly something like that right don't get uh, don't use perfect i get in the way of good or something like that yeah, exactly. That's it. <laughs> move fast it's been 10 years since i worked at google so sorry i don't have them like top of mind anymore um but exactly that's the same thing here again it's you don't have to have a perfect answer like think about directionality like was that lead just a little bit better than another one and if it was just a little bit better, well, then tell the machine because that means the machine cannot prioritize that one a little bit more over the other one. Yeah, and again, don't get stuck to an actual like nitty gritty values, right? So if you have say calls which work for ten dollars and lead fifty dollars to you, really changing to fifty one dollars that lead, I'm not sure how much of the dent is going to actually impact to you, right? So don't get hang up on like really needy, uh, greedy details of like con conversion values. As long as the magnitude of difference between them are, it's more important to you, right? One dollar versus five or ten versus fifty will be the same thing for machine learning because I know which one to prioritize, right? So it's in the end of the day, it's still like ones and zeros on the back end. So I'm optimizing for that higher conversion value if that well, auction will actually entail that uh, and having the people like that. And you, you can always update the information as it goes along too, right? So for instance, I work with an advertiser that has a subscription business. So the refund tends to come in within the first five days and you could completely you know, pass that information back um, and adjust that value as you, as, as you get better and better data. Yeah, as more and more stuff gets returned, which hopefully isn't the case. Black Friday. <laughs> Did you return a lot of stuff? You can hear your credit card statement after that. Yeah, for sure. right. <laughs> that, that was actually one of the problems this year. And so let, let's talk about this. Um, but like, how do you correct these values, right? Because this year, Black Friday, so many people were worried about not getting the stuff they wanted. So I bought more gifts. And even like last week, I went back to Costco and I returned some of the gifts I ended up not needing. Like two months after Christmas happened, three months after I bought it. Um, Right. So how do you and these are some of the systems um, that you see here on the screen for restating values. Um, and let's talk about data exclusions for a second. Yeah. So um, let's test it out a little bit more, uh, give a little context. So primarily use case and Google really careful always communicating what to use and not to abuse it for. So to primarily reason you should be using if you, if something is broken from your conversion tracking perspective. So if your tag malfunction or you double count and or didn't count the conversions on that particular time frame, you can actually apply data exclusion for that period of time, right? So that will um, eliminate basically that period from machine learning. So we'll basically skip that incorrect data you've been passing or not passing for that matter to Google Ads. So I think that's a primary use case. 
Other reason, and this is actually data exclusions, is uh, I know we have a question probably uh, from the audience as, um, uh, who are, might be curious of what happens actually from um, the seasonal adjustment period of time, right? So data exclusions are automatically baked into the seasonal adjustments. So if the, I know the Black Friday intent user is kind of unusual usually comparing to like the rest of the year. So if you do apply your seasonal adjustments, you think that you're within that period of time, your conversion rate is gonna spike double uh, and uh, you would like to be more competitive during that period of time through seasonal adjustment tool. Um, so that will also have a bigger data exclusion on the back end, so it doesn't impact the, the future learnings. And then once the, that period of time is, is over, then the machine learning go back to normal essentially. Yeah, so that's good advice on when to use seasonality adjustments and when to use data exclusions. And then the uh, the other types of things you see here, we uh, we did a pretty good, well, I'll say great blog post on uh, the optimizer blog. So um, let me put that in a banner here real quick so you got the link to that. Just go to our blog and we have a really good description of the three different ways of adjusting values, um, whether it be offline conversion or value rules or value adjustment. Um, all right, so next, um, the next step then is we were communicating all these values. So now we're actually going and turning on uh, these campaigns. We did have some questions from the audience about campaign structures. And specifically one of the questions was around, should we enable a DSA campaign at the same time? Um, and where does that fit in? So that was a question from, uh, from Chris. Yeah, it's a great question. So if when you think about um, your structure of your campaign, I encourage you to think about as, as of your business, right? For, what are the buckets, either products or different intent, even if you're a lead gen, and how much those type of customers or interactions are actually worth to you? So approaching that from actual uh, how much is valuable to you and how much return on ad spend you're looking for on the back end, right? So tracking that, how much you're getting that. So structuring your campaigns based on your goals. Um, so similar maybe themes of keywords or similar products by target return and ad spend you're looking for. So it'll be the structure uh, for your account. And in terms of the DSA, uh, we do see um, different preferences overall in the market. Some people prefer to have a little bit more control for the budgets and uh, return on ad spend goals for that particular campaign. So they bun, bun, break it up and it's in its own standalone campaign. Uh, if there's no strong preference, then you can create uh, ad groups with the dynamic search ads within existing ones. So it's it's all up to your preference and how much you think you need more control for that extra layer of uh, kind of catch-all bucket. So you, you need to remember the DSA is a secondary priority if comparing to a regular search, right? So what you're not covering with your budgets, with your keyword structure, or with your match types, um, that will capture the DSA. So your uh, search terms you cannot possibly think of. Like I think 15% of the queries every day are net new, right? So you cannot- Oh my God, did you just say that again? <laughs> okay, 15. sorry about no, no, you're right, but like this is a, it's probably like a 20 year old stat from Google now. And for some reason it never changes. Well, not, not, definitely not 20, but yes. No, uh, no, seriously, it's, it's 20 years old. This okay. is a drinking you, game. We you know that I'm just on this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's still there, still official. Um, so we still use it, but uh, the bottom line is, you know, um, you cannot anticipate all the different search terms in real time. So that's why the DSA will capture what you are not covering with your match types, yes. 
exactly uh, no and i mean it's a good point right like there's a reason that some of the old structures like an alpha beta methodology still work that's why broad match has so long been really useful um but it is something that you have to manage right and so now in the day of automation it's nice because you don't have to manage the bit of every single variation that comes out of a broad match the system kind of handles that for you and that's also a little bit the point that google then often ends up making is like you got to put these automations together if you just use them independently of one another then you know it may not lead to the expected results right broad match is fantastic but if you're bidding 50 dollars for every broad match variation like that's not going to end up well right but if you combine that with smart bidding um, and then you even combine it with RSAs, and we've done quite a few presentations on responsive search ads, right? But let the machine put the right ad for the right user at the right price for the right query. It's kind of how that all comes together. Yeah, and one more point to remember is actually that the machine learning learns on the search term level, right? So it's on the SKU level for, for your shopping ads and the search term level on the, on the search site. So you can have different keyword match types within your ad group, it's perfectly normal now, even like have a separate DS table. It will learn which are the more important search terms and associated data on the back end, those thousand signals who are tied to that search term and actually learn from this one. So not don't overthink your structure as much, just focus more on the uh, more combining, giving as much data as possible. So more data and machine learning will actually learn who are the more important uh, customers for you on the back end. Right. I'm glad you brought up that point because that's another common misunderstanding. So you position it as like it, it learns at the query level. Um, the other place where people often confuse things is they think, oh, I have to have one campaign with as much data as possible because that's how my conversion data impacts that campaign. When in fact, it's the conversion action. That's the thing together with the query at one level and different things at different levels. But it's really the conversion action. That's the fundamental piece of machine learning. And so if you have five campaigns and they all have the same conversion action feeding into it, yeah, they all learn from each other. And then the other, other thing, and Google has a great slide, we don't have it today uh, ready to show, but, but basically even if you have manual campaigns, manually managed campaigns, and they have the same conversion action collecting data, those conversions will influence your smart bidding campaigns, right? So there's these interactions that people don't understand because it all goes back to the conversion action. Yeah, that's why the important conversion values is so important, right? So tracking that information consistently over time will import, like inf influence what target return ad spend or max conversion value will do. So that's why sharing that information is important. Um, we had another question from Chris, so let's quickly go into this one. But would you use different bid for portfolios for different campaign groups? And I guess this goes a little bit into the whole structure thing we're discussing right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so again, if you do, if there's a reason you're branching up campaign in a different, um, I guess, the different buckets so having different campaigns, maybe per geographic location or um, different budget allocation, you can have a portfolio strategies for sub-segment of campaign. A couple, I guess, best practices to keep in mind while you're doing that. If, I guess, the goal is to ensure those campaigns you're bucketing together under bid portfolio, they have same target, right? So they, that's the one goal. Either you want to just maximize conversion value of those or like target run net spend. So if you have the same target run net spend goal for those campaigns, that's a good strategy to use it. But you want to watch out for um, inefficiencies potentially what might happen on the campaign level from the budget perspective. So if you're bucketing under one bit portfolio, then you better ensure those um, 
campaigns are not going to be capped by budget, right? So if you're trying to say hit 500 ROAS on five campaigns, but some campaigns become budget constrained, it will be harder for raw portfolio B strategy to effectively hit that on all consistent over time. So either use a shared budgets, it's going to be our recommendation if you have on those campaigns or make sure they are just uncapped. So they're not going to be capped in on the individual day basis. It's not that, you know, we're, we want to get more budget. Of course, we all do, but it's more of a consistently uh, making sure the strategy is able to find those queries who fit your return on that spend goal during the day. And if it doesn't, uh, it becomes budget constrained, you'll become a little bit more conservative. It will try to uh, not go into overly aggressive auctions during the day to ensure you hit the goal consistently, right? So it can a little bit more slower to hit your goal. So that's why if you're bucketing campaigns, so number one, make sure they have the same goal, right? Number two, they are not budget constrained or they have a shared budgets. Yeah. Hey, Rebecca, I don't know if you want to take this question, but uh, Brett was asking. Brett's one of our frequent watchers. Um, so uh, you and I have talked about this concern too, but so as we start putting more conversions, conversion actions basically into the system, like is there a risk that people start inflating the numbers? Yeah, I think a lot of times people don't understand that the conversion alley rules is measuring the incrementality on top of what you what Google already observe. So for instance, if Google already observes that your the sales transactions are worth X for these types of customers and your LTV, let's say, is proportional to the sales uh, transaction, then you shouldn't be using conversion value adjust uh, conversion value rules on top of that. However, if the uh, lifetime value is twice as much as what Google is observing right now in terms of your sales transaction, then you should say, hey, 2x of these types of customers from this audience, from this geo, from these kind of devices. So, so there's definitely um, things that you need to read into the fine lines when you're actually using conversion value rules. Um, and a lot of times also, you know, margin data, for instance, Google does not have information on your margin data. So if you want to put that information in, and a lot of the information could be um, index as well, if you, if you want to keep that information proprietary. So we know relatively these type of transaction has a higher margin of, let's say, 70% versus these values of 30%. So we're actually optimizing to your true value, uh, business, business value at the end of the day, rather than just um, sales value. Yeah, absolutely. Like, don't overthink conversion value rules is that um, it's only for cases that you're not communicating that information already to Google Ads. And most of the cases, if you do full-time conversion import, you probably already have it or even dynamically tracking your transactions of most of the e-com already do, you're already communicating that. So it's only for edge cases where you think like maybe one location is more important to you from like lifetime value and you don't have a way to import that lifetime value, for example, back or profit margin, as Rebecca mentioned. Um, other thing is that if you want to implement conversion value rules, so you're actually going to be able to segment it and it's called um, value rule adjustment segmentation, where you're going to be able to see uh, original value rule applied, original value rule not applied, and adjusted value. So you're actually going to be able to break it down to see how much in each bucket falls um, you know, for within that conversion value rules adjustment. Yeah, and the reason this is such an important question for a lot of people watching today 
is that you're still generating reports. Your boss is asking you, hey, how much value was driven? The moment that you start kind of like value rule adjusting it, these values are no longer what you intended it to be, right? They're helping the machine move in the right direction, but it's not what your boss wants to see in the reports. So like Alex is saying, there are actually multiple columns now in Google Ads. And so if you pull the right column data, you can still report what your boss wants to see in, in the reporting engine, but you can have the machine learning system use the adjusted values for value rules. Uh, Optimizer has done a lot of work in this arena. So if you want to set better value rules, if you want to have these reports be clean, um, just reach out to our support team and we can help you with that. All right, so uh, we don't have that much time left, but uh, let's talk about some uh, pitfalls and best practices, which I guess are somewhat similar to one another. Um, right, so, but uh, we have a good slide of best practices, a couple of key things to keep in mind. So let's take a look at that here. Uh, Rebecca, you want to start us off on this one? Yeah, absolutely. So the common pitfalls in VVB, there's a lot of different key metrics that you could focus on, but in terms of uh, using value-based bidding, so you should focus on ultimately uh, your your max conversion value, uh, your conversion value or, or target ROAS in terms of testing for this. So, so really keeping that to change, uh, having your goal in terms of the right metric is very important. Um, the volume of conversions is important to give the test enough volume conversions to say definitively this, the test, you know, the experimental group is better than the control group, given your old bid strategy and your new bid strategy. Um, having that, we, uh, I think we are, we're recommending 50 conversions. Um, to, to basically make that call. Um, a lot of times also learning period and conversion delays are, are the, the periods that you should, should exclude when you're evaluating performances. So it takes Google about a week in terms of figuring out the algorithm to, uh, to optimize for your bid strategy. So excluding the performance during that learning period will help you to figure out exactly what, what the performance differences between control and experimental group. And then on the conversion delays as well, it takes time for the conversion to come in, right? So sometimes even for lead gen, uh, potentially it could take two to three weeks. So excluding that period at the end, so you actually allow time for those, those conversions to come in um, uh, to really evaluate the, the, the performance uh, values is, is really important as well. Yeah, and so of course, sorry, okay, but those are expectations, right? So it's not like every single campaign is going to have seven a day of learning period or two weeks of conversion lag. So one thing you can actually check, and it's un, un, I wish they had a better way of uh, intuitively knowing where it is, but once your bit strategy type, so the name of your actually bit strategy, where it says maximize conversion value with TRS. So that's actually a blue hyperlink where you can click and open up bit strategy report. So perfect. Uh, and it will look something like this, where you can actually see the blue line there it will tell you how long your conversion lag is for that particular campaign because it depends on your product based on your search terms is going to be different lag until people actually convert and then google your conversion is recorded of day of interaction in respect on your of course attribution models and if you have like more of a spinning wheels there or gray bars is going to be your learning period right so take a look at that beach trade report super super helpful gives you a ton of information what happens, and then then you're going to be able to adjust your window of analysis to uh, to see are you actually hitting the target, and are is your conversion value going up? 
Yeah, so I mean, a lot of the same things we have to think about now, time lag, um, volume of data before we make decisions, like machine learning and automated bidding doesn't magically solve these things. It, it's, its job is to set the bids. It doesn't mean like it can do, it can get great results in five seconds as opposed to five weeks, right? So keep those things in mind. It uh, also helps, by the way, to start with the TROS that Google recommends, which is close to what you have been performing at. Um, again, there's like pie in the sky thinking like, hey, I would love to have uh, 10,000 return on ad spend. Sure, who wouldn't, right? But let's be reasonable. Let's start with something that's a little bit closer to where we came from, and then let's optimize it from there. Yeah, and then the reason why is because you want to start with the same competition level. Your TRS is actually the level you can use to be more or less competitive, right? And you want to start with the same level you used to be before. Of course, you can adjust it, but it's going to be either more or less aggressive. And the re I would definitely encourage to use recommended level if you've been tracking your conversion values properly, because recommended by the settings level will also incorporate your conversion, uh, conversion lag. Right, so factoring there's more conversions going to be in the future. So sometimes it's, it's going to be really similar to last 30 days, but a little bit different depending on your conversion lag. So definitely take into consideration recommended in the settings. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. So these are some best practices. Uh, I guess those lead straight into the the pitfalls. So um, should we talk about pitfalls for a second, Rebecca? Sure. Yeah, sounds great. All right. Uh, you have this slide on that one. Or well, the first one is a lot of people don't include, uh, actually, a lot of people include um, the learning period and conversion delay period in evaluating the performance data. That's probably one of the biggest things. Uh, and then don't give enough time to reach a conclusive result. So you should definitely look at your statistical significance level when you're running these to make sure that it's getting to the, to the level that you want when you're making a call whether an Anubis strategy actually working for you or not. Um, and then on top of that, uh, a lot of times people make significant changes to their their, their um, campaigns. Um, and sometimes they, if you ha absolutely have to make these changes, then make it to the control group as well as experimental group. The, but the best practice is, is actually to minimize as much change as possible during that time to give the algorithm a time to learn and to fully test the strategies. Um, the third one is what we talked about, Fred, in terms of conversion value rules. People think, oh, well, I should be value uh, this particular customer leads from this region much more than this. But a lot of times smart bidding is actually observing that already uh, through the, its algorithm. So those, if it's observable, then do not use value uh, conversion value rules to do it, but communicate incremental information and things are not observable. Uh, from a Google perspective. Cool. Well, there you have it. TCPA, it's great. TROAS, way better. Value-based bidding, way better. <laughs> now you know why Google is saying that. We at Optimizer believe it too, so we're building a lot of capabilities to help you with that. Um, for those capabilities, you can reach out to the support team. You can read our blog. We did a recent post that you can see right there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so regardless of what type of advertiser you are, what you sell, what kind of leads you do, how big you are, value-based bidding certainly is the smarter way to optimize your account. So uh, now you know, give it a shot. Google, thank you so much for uh, explaining this to us and uh, sharing a lot of great content. Really appreciate your help on this webinar and producing uh, the blog post. So uh, 
That's it for uh, this episode of PPC Town Hall. We'll be back in a few weeks. If you like these videos, uh, subscribe, uh, thumbs up these things. We'll keep doing more of them. We're also going to be making this available as a podcast. So uh, keep coming back. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Tim. It's a pleasure. Thank you.